Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Father, we thank you this evening for the privilege of coming together to study your holy written word. And Father, we know that your word is not just intellectually learned, but spiritually perceived and discerned. And so therefore, we invite your Holy Spirit to enlighten us, to give us ears that hear spiritually, eyes that see spiritually, hearts that receive, and minds that are open spiritually, that we might be changed from glory to glory by what we hear, that we might conform to the very image of Jesus and become that for which he shed his blood and sacrificed his life. We expect to be changed by what we hear and challenged by what we hear, that we might go forth as doers of your word and not just hearers only. Father, be glorified in all things. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. We're talking about living by faith. And it's a wonderful subject. In my opinion, it's the very, one of the most important subjects in all the Bible. Why? Because it makes everything work. It makes it alive. We talked about how the just shall live by faith. It's said four times throughout all scripture. The just shall live by faith. Notice the just. That means you're already saved by grace through faith. Now the just shall live by faith. And what that means is that we use our faith to tap into the grace of God that's already saved us, but then also blesses us. It provides healing, deliverance, comfort. It, it provides strength. Whatever we need. Provision. We have to use our faith to tap into the grace of God wherein we stand. And that's in Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. Then we talked about the importance of faith, how important faith really is. And we gave a list of scriptures and talked about just how important. Without faith, you cannot please God. You can't fight the good fight of faith. You can't resist the devil without your faith and quench every fiery dart. It's the shield of faith that quenches the fiery darts of the devil. And the list was on and on, an endless list of the things we can't do without faith. And faith makes all things possible. As we continue our study, I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 3, beginning at verse 17. But with whom was he grieved 40 years? Don't just read through that. I read that this afternoon, and it, you know, you have one of those moments when something comes alive to you. I never thought that God would grieve more than a day, let alone 40 years. Think about that. It grieved him for 40 years that his people wandered in the wilderness and he couldn't bless them the way he wanted to. Is that staggering? Is that mind-boggling? Was it not with them that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in. Why? Because of unbelief. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel priest as well as unto them. But now notice, but the word priest did not profit or benefit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Wow. They were kept out of the full blessings of God, the promised land, because of unbelief. 
Now under the leadership of Moses, they didn't enter in. Under the leadership of Joshua, they entered in because God raised up a new breed under Joshua. And we'll have to get to that study to find out exactly how Joshua taught those younger ones faith and how to operate in faith and not be moved by logic, reasoning, feeling, or emotion. But we see under Moses' leadership, they couldn't experience the blessings of the promised land. And it wasn't because the enemy was so powerful. It was because of unbelief. Their unwillingness to act upon what God's word said. Why? Because they were confronted with situations that were challenging. Instead of acting out their faith, they spoke out against God and his word. And they were kept out of the promised land. And we're going to study that in just a moment. But first, before we do, number one, let's look at how Jesus taught faith. How did Jesus teach faith? I would say that Jesus is the best teacher you could ever have. What about you? Doesn't get any better than that, does it? But Jesus teaches us faith, how it operates and how it works. And notice in Mark's gospel, chapter 11, beginning at verse 12, what it says. Jesus is about to die now. You have to remember, this is the end of his ministry. He's about to die. He's going to go to the cross. But he's teaching his disciples, his followers, how to operate in faith. And here's what he says. On the morrow when they were come to Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, if you saw someone speaking to a tree, what would you think about that person? Uh, what are you doing? Talking to this tree? Really? Okay. No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Know how notice how clear this is being stated. Jesus spoke to his tree and the disciples heard it. Well, then they came to Jerusalem and Jesus went to the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught saying unto them, is it not written my house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him for they feared him because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. And when the even was come, he went out of the city. He goes back the same way. And then in the morning, he comes back the same way. And they passed by. They saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remembrance saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. Notice the word he uses. You cursed the fig tree. Well, how did Jesus curse the fig tree? All he did was speak to it and say, no man, he feared thee hereafter forever. Right? That's all he said. This is a vibrant, healthy, living thing, this fig tree. It's got leaves on it. One day later, it's dried up by the roots. And Jesus answering and said unto them, and here it is, have faith in God. Now that rendering is really not correct. It's not proper. It's not the best rendering. My margin of my Bible says, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. And some translations translate it that way. Have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith or have faith in God. In any way you want to say it, 
he explains it. For verily or truly, I say to you, that whosoever, anybody a whosoever here tonight? Whosoever shall think. Some of you are awake. Shall what? Say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith now wait a minute Jesus hold on just a moment did you mean that whosoever that includes anyone who's a believer shall say to the mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe believe in God no believe that what he says will come to pass he will have whatever he says this is Jesus teaching the law of faith this is called the law of faith Mark eleven twenty three. he just described how it works he showed how it worked he actually demonstrated how it worked the fig tree from the root dried up because words were spoken you know words brought everything into this world into being the heavens and the earth, everything was framed by the word of God so that the things that are seen are not made of things that do appear words brought this entire world that we know and live in into being God spoke and gave a command and thing, everything was power there's power in the spoken word go back to the very beginning in the beginning God said let there be light and there was light and God said let there, and God said and God said time and time again what do you read God said God said why do you think in Genesis he reiterated over and over and over and over he was driving home a point that God's creative power is released with words and when God said something the Holy Ghost went into action and it became a reality well that's God you say I realize that but now Jesus is saying I'm telling you the truth that whosoever among you shall say unto this mountain the same truth the same law applies to whosoever this is the law of faith and I know it goes beyond our comprehension it goes beyond our understanding because we don't operate that way and we don't really recognize and realize the power of words even though the scripture says death and life are in the power of the what? tongue he proved it right there the tree died by the root Oh, it didn't happen instantly, but it happened. It started under the ground, killed the roots, and then it was manifested the next day as the leaves withered away. All right. I have this broken down for all of us so that we can look at it. Look in your note there, if you have your notes there. This will help us better understand. The word have actually means to take possession of, to embrace, or take hold of the faith of God. Take hold of the faith of God. This is what Jesus is saying. Say means to speak, call, or command. Mountain, it actually means something that lifts itself up or rises up. Remove means to suspend or put away. To cast into the sea, he said, means to throw down violently. In other words, don't say, Mr. Mountain, would you kindly move? Mm -mm. Doubt means to stagger or waver. Remember James said if you waver, if you ask in faith, but nothing wavering, why? Because if you waver, you won't receive anything from the Lord. Anything at all. And then believe means to assure, to have assurance, to trust. And what are you believing? 
What are you sure of? That what you say from your mouth, from the heart, is coming to pass. The word come is powerful. It means to generate or come into being. You're saying something that you expect to come into being. Something that's going to happen. Because you're saying it, it's going to happen. And then, whatsoever means anything provided for us in the word of God. We're not talking about stepping beyond the boundaries of God's word and saying crazy things that God never promised people. When I first started teaching this 37 years ago, people, you know, they just didn't understand it. And they ran with it and taught all kinds of, did all kinds of crazy things. God never said certain things and we can't just say what we want to say. It's understood that we're acting on the principles of God's word. And the things he's promised us, the things that he basically said belongs to us, we have a right to say. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Say what God said and expect it to happen. So if you take this, these definitions of these words, notice under point A, what I have listed for you is a, another rendering, you could say, of Mark eleven twenty three, And look at what it says. I'm truthfully telling you that who, he who has faith can command or speak directly to whatever has risen against him and tell that thing to be removed and thrust down. If he doesn't waver or stagger in his heart but remains confident that what he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. That's pretty powerful. Isn't that pretty powerful? Now, when we have situations rise up against us, there's always that tendency for us to do what? evaluate it think it through analyze it okay there's a mountain there that thing's pretty tall what is it going to take to me to get over the top of that thing or it's pretty wide I wonder how, how long it's going to take to get around that thing and we're thinking about this logically this thing has risen up against us and it seems like it's an obstacle and it's in our way it's preventing us from experiencing something good that God has for us but there it is a huge obstacle a huge mountain a huge situation Whoever thought that all we have to do is speak to it? We would never think of that. We build tunnels. We go underneath them. In some cases, we use dynamite and blow them apart and build a path, don't we? Sure. But Jesus said, speak to that thing that has risen up against you and take authority over it and use your faith-filled words to accomplish the purpose of God's will and that thing will obey you as a matter of fact this is something I believe the enemy doesn't want people to understand all of us none of us why because Jesus made it very clear in Matthew 17 20 that this is how all things are possible this is how all things are possible he said you would speak to that mountain remove hence to yonder place and it would remove and nothing would be impossible to you to who to the one who speaks to the mountain, commands it to remove, it will remove to yonder place, and nothing will be impossible to you. Powerful, powerful truths. But obviously there's a lot in it. Can you see that? It's important to know that the mouth and the heart have got to be in sync. If the two are not in sync, it doesn't work. You got to believe with the heart, you got to say with the mouth. Those two have got to harmonize and be in sync and both have got to embrace the word of God. And when we embrace the word of God from the heart and declare it with the mouth, that's called faith set in motion. That's how we got saved. Romans 8, Romans 10, 8 through 10. But what saith it, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith that we preach. If you 
believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes to righteousness, with the mouth he confesses to salvation. And so therefore, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. But notice the operation of faith. We got saved by grace through what? Through faith. Well, what is faith? Faith believes from the heart and faith says with the mouth. So to summarize what Jesus said, faith has everything to do with what we believe in our heart and what we say with our mouth. That's why I've offered to start selling duct tape in the bookstore there. Now, secondly, what did the ten spies, because you see, we started by pointing out the fact that the tens, that the people of, of Israel under Moses' leadership failed to enter the promises of God, and why? Because of unbelief. Not because the enemy was too big, not because God didn't will that they enter in. God was grieved that they didn't enter in. He was grieved they didn't have the promises. Why? Because every father wants to provide every good thing for his child. That's why. What did the ten spies believe, and what did they say? Because the writer's pointing out the fact that this is the reason why they didn't get in. All this work, all this effort, all that took place in the wilderness to bring them out of Egypt to the wilderness, to the brink of the promised land, the edge of it, and they didn't get in because of unbelief. And then he warns us about unbelief as well. Well, look at Numbers chapter 14, verse 11. We're going to pull out some scriptures. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I showed among them? He's talking about the signs in Egypt, bringing them out. The cloud by day, the fire by night, the protection of the glory cloud and the angels. And then to the brink of the Red Sea and then the parting of the Red Sea and walking across the Red Sea on dry land. And what a study that is. Only one specific spot where they can actually get across with all the people that they had and all the animals that they had. A specific place where God would have to bring them. Because you see, otherwise it was straight down like this and straight up like that. And there's no way they could navigate that. But he brought them to the only place where they can actually go this way, straight across and up that way. A perfect spot. Now you think God knew that spot was there, right? Amen. So here we have them seeing this miracle. Even that one miracle. But then the manna, right? Coming down the water, coming out of a rock. I mean, imagine seeing all that. So when he really indicts them for being full of doubt and unbelief, he said, with all the signs I've done, all that you've seen me do with my hand, all my power that you've seen on display, and still you won't believe me? So we know that they didn't believe what he said. They didn't believe his word. Well, look at verse 28. And if you I've been challenged with this message and I've had people say, you're putting too much emphasis on your words and what you believe and what you say. Really? Then listen to this. Say unto them, the same people, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Ouch. Wow, as you have spoken. Remember the statement Jesus made in Matthew chapter 12 when he said, by your words you'll be justified and by your words you'll be condemned. So when someone stands before the great white throne judgment and says to the Lord, I don't want to be lost, I don't want to go into the lake of fire, all he'll do is play back his own words that he spoke. When someone came along and said 
to the person. You've got to make Jesus your Lord. You've got to be born again. And he will see himself say and hear himself say, that's for weak people. I don't need religion. I can take care of myself. His own words will condemn him, not God. His own words. Think about that. But notice what he said is, you've spoken in my ears. And why did they speak doubt and unbelief in the ears of God? Why did they murmur and complain? Because they didn't believe from their heart that God would do what he said he was going to do for them. And you'll see that. Look in the book of Exodus chapter 23. And for those of you that know this study, trust me, we all need refreshed. We all need refreshed. This is the, one of the most challenging I, I believe messages that we can really study. And we should study it over and over and over again. Because it deals with every single one of us. We're all capable of operating in doubt and unbelief. Trust me. Every one of us. This is God speaking to them before they get to the promised land. This is what God said he would do for them when they got to the promised land. And look what he said. Behold, I sent an angel before thee to keep thee in the way. And to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. A beautiful place that flows with milk and honey. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not for he will not pardon your transgressions. For my name is in him. Think about that. An angel is going to go before you. Now don't provoke. How do you provoke an angel? That you can't see? Poke him in the side and pull his hair? How do you provoke an angel? Right here. Words. He goes on to say, but if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. For mine angels shall go before thee and bring thee into the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and the Termites. And I will cut them off. Did you hear what God said he would do when they got to the promised land and all the ites stood there like, where do you think you're going? He said, I'll cut them all off. If you will listen to me and listen to my voice and obey what I say, I will cut off all the enemies that confront you. Isn't that what he said he would do? That's what he said we'd do. Okay. Well, what did they say? Look at Numbers 13, starting at verse 25. They believed the situation was impossible when they were faced with these giants and these enemies. He sends out, when they get to the promised land, spies to spy out the land. There's 12 of them. 12 spies. There's Moses is the pastor. Aaron is the associate pastor. The 12 spies are the 12 board members. And they're all, they're sent, all 12 of them, to go out and spy out the land and see whether or not it's a land that flows with milk and honey, just as God said. And so they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word, notice, unto them. They brought back word and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came unto the land whither thou sentest us and surely it flows with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. Man, they're on a roll right now, aren't they? Just like God said, man, 
This place is phenomenal. It's beautiful. It flows with milk and honey. It's prosperous. It's absolutely remarkable. And you know what? You do a study on this, and I found out the fruit. They were absolutely amazed how big the fruit was, how luscious and delicious. A beautiful land flowing with milk and honey, and it was for God's people. Notice the next word. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. Well, nevertheless what? The people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. You see where they're going with this? It's a land, like God said, that flows of milk and honey. But you know what? Man, they're strong people, walled cities. It's impenetrable. And knowing what they're doing, Caleb steals the people before Moses. And he says, let us go up at once and possess it for well, but to take it. But the men that went up with him. Now remember, Caleb was one of the twelve. Joshua and Caleb were two. The other ten were negative, pessimistic, doubters. Joshua and Caleb were believers. But here's what they said. The other ten spies said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. In the natural, that was probably true. With logic and reasoning, that was probably true. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. Now you've got two and a half million people. You've got ten leaders speaking and spewing out unbridled doubt and unbelief. They're stating their case, the natural reports, not the evil report. But once they said, this is how it is, and we can't do it. We're like grasshoppers. There's no way. The walls are too fortified. The situation's just too, too big. The mountain is too high to get over. The mountain is too wide to get around. As far as we're concerned, you'll see something else that they said in a moment. We can't do it. We're not able to do it. And that was their report. That's the evil report. But now next, what did Caleb and Joshua say about the same situation being the other two leaders that went out to spy out the land? What did they believe and what did they say? In Numbers 13, 30, here's what we find out about Caleb. Caleb stilled the people before Moses. I mean, they were absolutely so emotionally distraught because of fear and worry and anxiety. Moses, I mean, Caleb comes along and stills the people before Moses. He says, let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. Not just able, well able to overcome it. Why? He saw the same scenario. So did Joshua. They saw the same situation, but their view was different. Why? Because they weren't looking at themselves. They weren't depending on themselves to defeat the enemies and, and get through the walls. They were looking to God. And you see that in, in Numbers chapter 14. Look at Numbers chapter 14. And here is Joshua and Caleb once again speaking to the people. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord. Notice, speaking the way they were against 
What God said he would do is considered rebellion in the eyes of God. Neither fear ye the people of the land. How can these two talk like this? For they are bread for us. The other said they're bigger. They're stronger. They're greater. They're more powerful. The situation absolutely lends itself to defeat. There's no possible way. They're bread for us. Their defense is departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. In the very next verse, you would think they would say, let's go do it. He gave a good pep talk. Know what they said? What they did? Picked up stones to stone them. To kill them. We don't want to hear that faith business. When you, when you decide to walk by faith, I'm telling you, it takes you out of your comfort zone. When you decide to walk by faith, you're getting out of the boat and you're walking on water. When you decide to walk by faith, you're not going to bend, bow, or burn. You're not going to go into a burning fire furnace. You're going to, you're going to walk into one, but you're going to come out without the smell of smoke. When we decide to live by faith, it can go against all logic and human reasoning. It's really developing what is called a sixth sense. We have our five physical senses that help us navigate through this life. But this thing called faith is called the sixth sense because it goes beyond our five senses and enables us to believe in something even more so than what our five senses dictate to us. And Joshua and Caleb, they were there. They were there. We are well able. We can do it. Their defense is departed. And that was a true statement. You find it out later in Joshua chapter 14. It was uh, chapter 2, I'm sorry. And then 14. It's true. That's exactly how they were. They were conceding the land even when they got there. But you know what? They didn't know that. They didn't know that. And so they were afraid. And they spewed out all this doubt and unbelief. But not Joshua and Caleb. They said, we can do it. Man, God's on our side. He's going to get us in. You know, what are we facing? What situation? Does it seem like it's so big there's a mountain rising up against us? God wants us to start speaking to our mountains and commanding them, get out of my way. Fear, I'm speaking to you in the name of Jesus. Anxiety, I'm speaking to you in the name of Jesus. Doubt, I'm speaking to you in the name of Jesus. Discomfort, weakness, whatever it is. Sickness, lack, whatever it is, I'm speaking to you in the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, I'm not tolerating your presence in my life any longer. I'm rising up above you. Well, what did the people believe and say as a result of these leaders? Let's find out. In the book of Numbers chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. It's all the same situation here. These 10 leaders, now imagine this. You go to church one night. You know, I've been accused of, you preach faith too much. Oh, okay, next week we're going to start teaching on doubt and unbelief. How to doubt God. How to walk in unbelief. How to live in anxiety and worry. <laughs> I don't think anybody would show up. What about you? Oh, you look at And listening to these 10 spies who spied out the land, their negativity, their pessimism, their unbelief and doubt, their influence over the two and a half million people was profound. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses, spoke against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in the wilderness? 
And wherefore has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Mm. That's what God heard them say. It's exactly what he heard them say. They're saying that when he already communicated to them, I'm bringing you to a, pla a place, a land a promised land that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to bless you beyond your imagination and wildest dreams. I'm going to provide for you every good thing. And I promise to you that I will be an enemy to your enemy and an adversary to your adversary. Can you imagine living in that place? A place prepared for them. You go back to the beginning and Adam had a place and Eve had a place pre prepared. They didn't stay there. This is a promised land. They didn't stay there. And we're being told we've got a place too. It's the gospel message. It's in Christ. But you know what? To stay there, we've got to stay in faith. Just like these had to stay in faith. Okay, look at Deuteronomy chapter 1 because here we have the same situation only coming from the book of Deuteronomy. It's the same scenario. Same situation exactly. So, he says it this way. And they took of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down unto us and brought it us word again and said... It is a good land which the Lord our God doth give us. Notwithstanding, here we go. You would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And you murmured, this is Moses talking, to the, and you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us. Ooh. He had brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us that's what they thought God's motive was whither shall we go up our brethren have discouraged that word discouraged means they melted our heart notice the next word saying you know words could melt people's hearts we need to be mindful of the words we speak to people we need to speak words that will lift their spirit sharpen their spirit words that will encourage their spirit and help them succeed saying what the people is greater and taller than we I hear that all the time <laughs> all the time the cities are great and walled up to heaven and moreover we have seen the sons of the Anakims there then I said unto you, dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. They saw it. And in the wilderness where thou hast seen how the, the Lord thy God bare thee, and as a man doth bear his son in all the way that ye went. Until you came into this place. Yet in this thing you did not believe the Lord your God. You didn't believe him. Who went in the way before you to search out you out a place to pitch your tents in, in fire by night. To show you by what way you should go. And in a cloud by day. And the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth. And swear saying, surely there shall not come, not one of these men, this evil generation. See the good land which I swear to give unto your fathers. Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him will I give the land that he hath trodden upon. And to his children because he 
have wholly followed the Lord. Also the Lord was angry with me for your sake, saying, Thou also shalt not go in thither, but Joshua the son of Nun, which standeth before thee, he shall go in thither. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. So once again we see the same scenario. And what is happening? These people were at the edge of the promised land. A life of beyond their wildest dreams. Experiencing the goodness of God in every facet of life. And God also providing protection and safety and defense from all their enemies. A place where he could, they could serve him and honor him and just love on him. And that he would be their God and they would be his people. But guess what? They refused to believe it. And so what did they believe and say? We can't do it. We can't do it. You basically you're saying this. That, that they didn't trust in his integrity or his faithfulness to his promises. And so what it, did it do? It moved them to say words from their mouths that really resisted the will of God and dishonored the word of God. We can't do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. I just can't. I just can't. I just can't. Well, I know we can't, but he can. Faith is not believing you can. Faith is believing he can. And what we should be saying is, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. I know it's a tall order. I know it seems impossible, but I'm telling you, I can do it. I can do what God has instructed me to do. I can stand firm in my faith in the face of opposition. I can overcome this obstacle. It seems like it's insurmountable, but it's just an opportunity for me to show that God is faithful to his promise and faithful to his word. Now, what did God say about what they all believed and said? What did God say about what they believed and about what they said? Go back to Numbers chapter 14. What did God say about all this? See, when we think God's not listening, remember, they're, they were murmuring in their tent. We don't live in tents, we live in houses. He's listening. The angels are listening. They can hear what we're saying. And if we're saying things that are against the word of God, they're not going to do anything to help us. But if we keep on speaking the word over situations that we encounter, now God is pleased. Faith pleases him. We may not understand it, but praise God, it pleases him and he'll go to work. Notice this, because all those men, now notice what God, this is God speaking, which have number one, seen my glory. This is literal. They literally saw the glory of God manifest. Imagine that. I've seen the glory of God. Many others have seen the glory of God. But to them, this is almost like a regular thing. In the wilderness experience, they saw the actual glory of God manifest time after time after time. So they saw that with their eyes. And they saw my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness. Think about those three things. His glory they saw, the miracles they saw in Egypt and in the wilderness, and now have tempted me now these 10 times and have not, here it is, hearkened to my voice. In other words, they didn't believe my word. 
They didn't believe that I'm a God of integrity. They didn't believe that I would do what I said I would do. They didn't believe when they got to the promised land, all they had to do is just say, I know there's giants. I know that there's walled cities. I know that they're fortified. I know they seem impenetrable by man, and man probably can't. But you know what? Joshua, you know what? Caleb, you are absolutely right. We're believing God, not in our own strength or ability, will get us in to the promised land as he said, as he spoke. Whatever he said, I believe it. And so I declare it, I decree it, I receive it. Let's go take the land right now. If they would have done that, you realize it would have been 40 years earlier that they got into the promised land? It would have been. But here's this, the, the, the downside of this whole thing. Those people lived out all their days. All their days for the next 40 years. Looking at the promised land and never tasting it. Never seeing it. Never being a part of it. Even though God had provided it for them. And oh, I'm telling you, God was not happy with them. So... Surely they shall not see the land which I swear to their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has another spirit within him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring to the land wherein too he went and his seed shall possess it. You think God didn't hear what Caleb was saying all along? I'll tell you what, we can speak as the other 10 spies did or we can speak like Joshua and Caleb did. The choice is ours. And the people can listen to what the doubters say, or they can listen to what the faith people say. Go on to verse 26 through 28, and here it is. And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation? You think they thought they were evil? They thought their murmuring was justified. They thought their complaining was justified. They thought that God was being unfair with them. Why did he bring us out here? He hates us. He wants us to die out here. You know what? If God wanted them to die, he'd have left them in Egypt. They could have died right there. How quickly they forgot they were slaves. And the Lord spake there and saying, How long will I bear this evil congregation which murmur against, not Moses and Aaron, but murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur or speak against me. He heard what they were saying. So now, say to them, as truly as I live, say the Lord, as you've spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness and all that were numbered of you according to your whole family, now notice this, from 20 years old and upward, Think about that. 19 and under, you're safe. 20 and older, mm -mm, you're not safe. Which have murmured against me. Doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, which you said should be a prey, them will I bring in. That's 19 and under. And they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness. And your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of the days in which you have searched the land, even 40 days, each day for a year, shall you bear your iniquities even 40 years and you shall know my breach of promise. I, the Lord, have said, 
I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me in this wilderness they shall be consumed and there shall and there they shall die what did they say they were going to do die in the wilderness and guess what they got what they said exactly what they said and notice who he's holding responsible the ones that listen the preachers are going to get their share next but before we say that the teachers they're going to trust me get judged but the congregation who listened and just bought it hook line and sinker we can't do it we can't do it God's mean God wants it all that because they follow the doubters and unbelievers they're going to die in the wilderness right at the brink of the promised land that's it so God held them responsible for their decision but the men that Moses sent to search the land who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him see they were preaching we can't do it they're too big we can't do it and bringing up a slander upon the land even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land see the evil report is saying we can't do it they're too strong they died by the plague before the Lord they died by the plague but Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh which were of the men that went to search the land lived still death and life are in the power of the tongue now some of you haven't heard this many of you have the plague they died by worms ate out their navel their tongues and their jaws their navel their tongues and their jaws heart and mouth heart and mouth what they believed in their heart and said with their mouth was against the word of God and you know what these were the teachers these were the leaders and they were influencing them to doubt God and not believe God and as a result they died by the plague the others they died after 40 years but the 19 year olds up 40 years later so they were 59 and, and down from there God raised up a new breed under Joshua and guess what he taught them not to speak remember the story in Joshua chapter 5 when they got to the walls of Jericho do you remember when they were told what to do they were told to walk around the walls one day for six, one time for six days and while they were walking around the walls don't utter a sound from your mouth on the seventh day seven times and don't utter a sound from your mouth don't say a thing and as we study this out you're going to see how they were trained by Joshua God told them what to teach them about how they had a covenant with God etc certain things their enemies defeated they got a covenant with God and it's a new day they got a uh, angels that's going before them. all those things that were they were taught to trust in and believe in that and that God would give them the land and they did exactly what they were told to do and didn't say a word and then when the time came they shouted I'll tell you what when you operate in faith there's going to come a time to shout and the walls came tumbling down it took 40 years to do what they could have done 40 years earlier had they just stepped up and went out into the promised land and we're going to explain some of that as we go on but the point is what we believe and what we say matters what we believe and what we say matters but you got people out there saying oh it doesn't matter what I say God kesadasada. what will be will be my words have nothing to do with it don't buy into that don't buy into it 
This is an area of our lives where we all need discipline and training. Didn't the scriptures teach us that the tongue is an unruly evil? And the tongue can control the whole body? Right. And if any man can control his tongue, he is a mature believer. And just as a rudder with the ship and, and the bridle in the horse's mouth can control this massive body, so the tongue can control our lives and our bodies. And so therefore, we're being taught from the scriptures the importance of our words. And so look at Hebrews chapter 13, the latter part of verse 5 and, and then verse 6, and notice what it says. We'll read the whole thing. This is from the Amplified Version. Let your character or moral disposition be free from the love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For God himself has said, God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not. You think he's driving home a point? Three times, actually four in this. I will not want, leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, Boldly what? Say something boldly. The Lord is my helper. I will not. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not feel or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? Hallelujah. Think about that. In the King James it says this. God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. So God said, so that we may say. God said, so that we may say. Faith is rooted and grounded in what God has said. And whatever God has said, we have a right to say. Whatever God has said, we have a responsibility to say. So we can either choose to line up and say what we believe about the world and what's going on in the world or we can believe our circumstances our mountains and all the situations that arise up in life and just say that they're bigger and greater but that's because you're looking at yourself I'm looking at myself God wants us to get to a place that we finally enter into a place of trust and believe that God will do exactly what he said and start saying it ourselves God said he will not leave me nor forsake me so I boldly say he's my helper you're my helper in this situation Lord I may not understand it I may not know how to get through it. All I know is this. You said it so I can boldly say. And I'm boldly saying, you're my helper. And I'm telling you, when you start talking the word in your situations, you've got angels now getting ready to go to work for you because they hearken to the voice of God's word. We are told. And we give voice to God's word. And so faith is all about what we truly believe from the heart and what we say with the mouth. Now, I'm going to close with this little testimony, and you, I, I, many of you heard it before, but it bears repetition here. Someone says, well, I believe that. But faith is not about just saying, well, I believe that. Faith is, is something that we act upon. There's an action to it. You got yourself a ravine with a tightrope walk going across the ravine that's 300 feet deep, a drop, 300 feet drop. And you've got someone on one side and that person is a tightrope walker. And he asks a hundred people, 
you believe I can walk across this other side? Maybe 75% say yes. And he walks back and forth like a breeze. Then he says, how many believe that I can walk this wheelbarrow all the way across and back? And he does, all the way across and back. Maybe 80% or 85%. Third lamb, he says, how many believe I can put 200 pounds of rock in this wheelbarrow and take it across and back? 95%. This guy's good. And he does it. Okay. How many believe that I can put a human body in this wheelbarrow and walk it across and walk it back? Everyone raise their hand. Okay. So he says, Sherry, get in. Or Bill, get in. There's a difference between believing and agreeing. I agree that you can do it, but if I really believed it, I'd get in. Right? See, there's a big difference when it comes to truly understanding what faith is all about. You've got to believe. Just like those boys, throw us in a furnace, God will get us out. Daniel, I'm going to pray no matter what you say, because my God will defend me. So you do it. So why am I saying that? Because faith is this. I've got to believe from my heart that what I say with my mouth will come to pass. That's faith. I've got to believe that. I've got to act upon it. I've got to say it. I've got to get out of the boat and walk on the water. I've got to get in the wheelbarrow and say, let's go, Lord. I'm going to say what you say. I'm not looking down. I'm just going to say what you say. If you said, by, by your stripes I'm healed, I'm saying, by your stripes I'm healed. If you said you supply my need, I'm saying you supply my need. If you say you're giving me a job, I believe I received that job, and I thank you for that job. And I'm not going to waver because I know you're on it. I know you're faithful. I know you're working on it. If you say um, you're going to help me, I believe you're my helper. I'm going to say what the word says because I know by saying what the word says, I honor you. Your faithfulness to your promise and to your word. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world, through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. 
Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.